Welcome back to the Naked Again podcast. I am your host, Toby. I am a writer, a mental health therapist, and Christian by faith. I am so glad to be back here with you again in the garden this week. If you are tapping in for the first time, please take your shoes off. Stay a while. Even if you're in the car, take your shoes off. It feels better when you're driving with no shoes on anyway. But I am so glad to you know, be here with you again and to continue our conversation from last week. It got so exciting to me. Um, but we talked about sexual perversion last week and I am so, so, so excited to finish or continue our conversation this week. Let's just see how it goes. Um, and if you are not joining me for the first time, thank you for your support. Thank you for being a listener. I appreciate it. Keep the conversation going. Share it with somebody. Um, send me an email, nakedagainpodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what your process is looking like. Um, and maybe you can share a wisdom nugget or two for um, the rest of our community and our listeners. So let's get right into it. Last week, we talked a little bit about sexual perversion. We defined it per evangelist Google or prophet Google, however you want to put it. Um, but we just looked through the dictionary to kind of summarize what the, um, I guess, the large consensus is for how you define sexual perversion. And of course, coming from my perspective, um, from the mental health field, perversion is not likely to be used when talking about abnormalities or deviations from what is considered the norm as it pertains to sexual activity, sexual preferences, how people sexually express themselves. But for the sake of this podcast, and of course, staying in topic with being naked again and and getting on with that journey of rediscovering who you are, your deepest, most authentic self as it pertains to your choice and free will, Okay, free will to decide on abstaining from sex until marriage, after marriage, or during marriage. Um, so we are just keeping in line with that context when we are talking about sexual perversion. I just want to emphasize that again because I know that in my process of you know recording this episode and actually getting the conversation going on and off air. This actually um, is a very popular topic within Christian contexts, within faith contexts, or outside of ministry walls, or I guess your regular common ministry walls of a church, like sexual perversion or what is considered quote unquote weird <laughs> in how people sexually express themselves um, can really take a turn depending on where you are. So I definitely want to keep the context of this conversation clear so we understand each other and we are on the same page because I don't want you to be lost in um, listening to me. And I certainly don't want my words to get lost in translation because we are each going to interpret what it is we hear, what it is we absorb and 
ultimately how we apply it to our lives, to, to our process, to our growth and maturity as we journey back to our deepest, most, most authentic self. So on today, part two of sexual perversion, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about how the environment um, that we are in, whether physical or mental, the spaces and atmospheres that we are in actually do a lot to reinforce or reconstruct the nature of our being. You know, depending on the field that we talk about it with, um, there are some parts of science, you know, with the debate. And I think we've touched on it a little bit in previous episodes about the nature versus nurture debate of what comes first, like what shapes what, what impacts what. And more research um, have come out and are still coming out about how nature and nurture actually inform each other. So it is both. And when we are talking about sexual understanding, sexual reality, sexual expression, it is important to highlight how much environment has to do with it. So when we're talking about sexual perversion, as we talked briefly and defined it on the matter of, you know, what is weird or what is quote unquote allowed or what is um, adopted as the norm or the positive norm. I know that in conversations, tensions quickly rise when one side is like, no, this is the way to go. You ought to be free in, you know, how you express sex and who you have sex with and when you have sex. That's, you know, a freedom of choice. Nobody should be able to tell you when or who or how. And then on another end, um, and I'm speaking, of course, also with the consideration of faith practices, of spirituality, of maturity in this um, matter, the other side will tell you, well, you know, you shouldn't just go around having sex with whoever, um, especially if you're not married to them. And some people will say, well, I mean, you don't have to be in a marriage to have sex. You know, sex is a way to express how much you love somebody or the connection. Sex reinforces connection so you can or should be able to have sex in any relationship and not worry worry about being judged. So go for it. And I think to an extent, everybody is right in their own eyes. Depending on what it is you want to see in your life, depending on what it is you want to see as a fruit of your decision when it comes to sex, there is no um, perversion about it. But if we are keeping in line with what it is we are talking about here in the garden, we know that sexual perversion really in the in the most simple definition, the most authentic definition, really, it's that sex has been corrupted. Right. By the fall, because we're in the garden. Right. I want to emphasize that over and over again. The idea of sex, the idea of sexual intimacy, the idea of oneness with another person as intended, as we read in scripture, in Genesis, sex was corrupted after the fall. So really anything else that came after that was up for grabs and was going to be perversion. And when we read, I know like in some faith conversations, 
or to be even more specific in Christian circles, when we dive into the Old Testament, when we're bold enough to read the Old Testament and not just adopt the New Testament as all of the Bible, because it's a continuation of what was in the beginning. When we look at, you know, the dynamics of sexual relationships and sexual intimacy between husband and wife, between husband and wives, plural, when we see the dynamics of multiple children being birthed, um, you know, uncles marrying their nieces and, you know, before, quote unquote, incest became a thing, there were really no laws um, guiding sexual expression. To an extent, it was just you get with this person, they sort of automatically become your wife. (laughs) They have children. You care for them. That is the family. That is the household. So it is important, I believe, to consider how much sexual expression has evolved over the years, over the decades, over the centuries. And when we are on a quest, on a journey to getting back to being naked again with our deepest, most authentic self, because we want to be able to abstain freely and not be um, and not feel like we're missing out on something or not feel like we are abnormal, then it is probably important to consider your environment. You know, um, for the church, and I'm speaking from uh, a Christian perspective now, for, for the church and really for a lot of faith context, porn is a big deal, right? There's always usually this conversation about either addiction to porn, um, a relationship with porn, what's healthy, what's not healthy is porn healthy, period, because of how it's used, because this is a billion dollar company. You know, prostitution is an age old profession, (laughs) you know, and in some contexts, people will look at that as, oh, that's sexual perversion. You're having sex with a prostitute. It's a exchange for money and sex. And you, you know, talk about porn like you are pouring money or exchanging money to watch people have sex. That's a type of perversion. But still people do it. You know, in some sex therapy processes, people use images of a couple being intimate to inform another couple to deal with their sexual issues. So I'm going to go back to that idea of context. Context is key. What is the, the use of sex or sexual expression in a given context? Right? Because that's what's going to determine how it is viewed, how it is embraced, and how it is practiced. So my question for you as we explore this topic in the garden this week is, what are the things or images that nurture your sexual understanding? From a um, relational point of view, there are research, um, there is research done on how people eventually relate to other people outside, how they relate to their parent. So the parental relationship, of course, is so critical to development. Um, and even if the parent or caregiver is not, um, by, is not biologically related to a person, 
their experience of that parent or parental figure will eventually determine how they learn to relate to other people. So if we're putting that idea or that image in our sexual understanding, were you or did you grow up in a two-parent home? And if you didn't grow up in a two-parent home, did you grow up in a single-parent household who um, then had to adopt either a step-parent? Ultimately, the question is, how were you informed or uninformed about sexual matters in that relationship? Were you exposed to parents, you know, showing affection to one another? Were you exposed to parents arguing about sex? Were you exposed to parents stepping outside of the relationship? Whether or not it was a marriage, what was your experience um, of understanding sex at a young age as it pertains to relationships in the parental unit? And moving on from that, what was or is the household dynamics? You know, we're not going to touch much on sexual perversion as it pertains to rape and molest and um, just abuse of relationship in a family or a household dynamic. But what you are exposed to at a young age or a teenage age does inform your sexual understanding. And it is going to come into play or come into the conversation when we are talking about being naked again. Because really, that's what the platform is about, shedding all these beliefs and these thoughts and these ideologies that somehow, some way have um, just clung to us as we grow. And now that you are at a place of wanting to decide for yourself, abstaining from sexual intimacy, abstaining from sexual activity until marriage, during marriage or after marriage, do you or can you feel really freely can you freely determine or decide that without feeling like something else or someone else is deciding for you? I mentioned a little bit ago um, about identifying contexts when we're talking about sexual perversion. I know that in my experience growing up in the church, there wasn't a lot of room growing up in the church, there wasn't a lot of room to think about sex and it not be considered sexual perversion. That was an environment that I was in a lot where just the thought of it, not the expression, but just the thought of it felt like this was perversion, that I was even thinking about it. And I touch on that on previous episodes. So find it. <laughs> I forgot which one just find it and I hope um, it informs you more of my experience but I know that this environment um, significantly shaped what I felt or the freedom that I had in understanding sexual expression for myself and to an extent that is expected because as a young person there will always be more outside of you that shapes that thinking and I think it is very important to put that into consideration where now as an adult, you are shedding the weight of what made you 
to an extent you are shedding the weight of what mama think or what daddy said or what uncles and aunties and, and friends and other relationships or other professional voices have told you about how to express yourself sexually. And I find that in conversations that I have had with people who are struggling with maintaining their commitment to abstaining from sexual activity, a lot of it has to do with shame and guilt when they cannot maintain it. But there is also a wrestle and a tension of, I really want to do this. I really want to stop um, sharing myself or expressing myself sexually with people I know are not going to stay with me. And of course, we will get more into conversation about, oh, just because you're married with someone does not mean, you know, the sexual intimacy there will keep the marriage. That's a whole nother conversation. And I can't wait for us to have it. But in the context of what is sexual perversion, it is important to consider what environments are shaping your embrace of your sensual self and your sexual self. In a lot of movies now, now that we're in 2021, in most PG-13 movies or shows, um, that I see the way sex is, is expressed so quickly <laughs> is a bit scary for me. And I'm no longer a teenager. I'm no longer in college. I'm not even a grad student anymore. But it is so shocking to see how sexual expression in relationships have become so um, unguarded and easy and simple and quick. <laughs> But I can imagine that young people or older people, because there are shows, um, you know, on the HBOs and the stars of the world, there are shows that continue to reinforce or reconstruct the nature that reconstruct the nature of sexual development for people who are no longer children. So that will be the question that I'm probing this week when we think of sexual perversion and the the idea of corruption of sex or degrading sex what comes to mind for you and how are you consciously or subconsciously reinforcing that idea that you may no longer agree with or your deepest most authentic self does not really agree with because if you are listening to this podcast, that informs me a little bit that you are at least curious about what abstaining from sex looks like, sounds like, or feels like. And as someone who has gone through and is still going through that journey of abstaining from sexual activity and sexual expression until marriage I can attest to how challenging it can be to be the only one in the room who thinks that way or even considers this as an option without feeling weird or rejected or abnormal I have had someone in a conversation with me say what do you mean you don't have sex that's just not normal <laughs> and it didn't feel good I had to wrestle with myself and the tensions that came up for me and question, is this 
just wishful thinking is it ideal that I don't want to embrace or or that I don't want to um participate or partake in sexual expression in a relationship and think that you know I can build or cultivate intimacy with a person without having sex with them the the tension is real and it can be really hard when there are no spaces to have that conversation so as we continue in this week in the garden I invite you to bring all the thoughts that are coming up for you to bring it in the garden to bring it to God to seek understanding to seek revelation about what it is the environment that you're in or that you put yourself in or that you find yourself in what is that environment reinforcing or reconstructing for you as it pertains to sexual perversion or your understanding of sexual perversion until next time friends i look forward to talking here with you again in the garden Da-do-da, da-do-do-do-da, da-do-da-da-da-da.